Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you guys. Thanks for being here as we continue a series we started just a couple of weeks ago called The Five Essentials for Growth. And we've been talking about these five things that are never going to go away. They're never going to go out of style. They're going to never stop being absolutely life-changing in your life and mine. They're things you'll see all throughout the Bible. People who were open to God's transformational power working in their life, that were open to God creating breakthroughs in their life. I have seen these things over and over and over in my own story and in so many other people's story. And there are things that we need to talk about. That's why we're pausing to do a series on this. But these are the things that never go away that God's going to use over and over and over. And if you missed any of these weeks, I encourage you to go back, check them out on our website, brazosfellowship.com. And this week, we're going to dive into the third one, that being private disciplines. Private disciplines. These are the things that you do before God when no one else is looking. When no one else is around, there's no audience, there's nobody to witness them. It's just you and God, and that's it. And we're going to talk about what Jesus said about these things, and we're going to cover all of them, but we're going to talk about two critical ones that I have heard over and over in people's faith story that God has used in powerful transformational ways in their life. And um, as I talk about this one this week, private disciplines, I know for many of us, I know for me, you can get a little hung up on this second word, disciplines. Many times we get a little negative connotation when it comes to discipline. When we were growing up, I don't know if you were like me, I grew up with all brothers. Discipline hurt when I was growing up, okay? That was not something I looked forward to at all. And I want to tell you, still to this day, when you think about, and I think about discipline, we think about the stuff that we ought not to do, but we wind up doing, or the things that we should do, but we don't really want to do. It's, those are usually the discipline areas. They're the, the areas that we need to change in terms of how we spend our time, or our money, or how we eat our food, okay? We need to be more disciplined. It's just those things that we don't really want to work on, but we know we probably should work on. And um, we're going to talk about those today because they are incredibly powerful in terms of the ripple effect and the result and the reward that they hold down the road. And really what we're talking about is doing the things we don't want to do now so that we get to do the things that we've always wanted to do later. So uh, when I talk about what do you think of when when I say the word discipline, it's probably one of those things. It's one of those things that you don't really want to do. And I want to give you three blessings that really come from discipline. So we can maybe give a whole new tone, a whole new definition to discipline. Here's the first one. Discipline start off hard, but produce great results. I don't care what kind of discipline you're talking about. If you're just trying to get to the gym to work out, you're trying to eat a little bit better, you're trying to spend your money more wisely. On the front end, I don't care who you are, it is hard, it is difficult, it is challenging, but it is the fastest way to make any kind of progress in this life is to exercise discipline. Here's another thing discipline does for us. Discipline produces freedom. 
in a period of time, if we take any, any area of your life, let's, let's talk about financial for a second. If you exercise discipline, financial discipline, which in other words, I'm going to give it a very general um, definition. That if, if here is your income level. It is the discipline of saying, we're going to live on this much money. We're going to live on less than we make, which is a discipline that not many people in this country exercise, okay? It is a tough one. It is hard because everybody wants to consume all that they make. But having discipline financially, and I've known some friends that have done this, there's some families in our church that have done this, it has taken them, they would tell you decades to get there, but consistent discipline in the area of finances has gotten them to a place of financial freedom, where they are completely and totally debt-free. And they would tell you, it's not because I got this insane raise or I inherited a million dollars. That is not how it happened. It happened because we started off doing a discipline that was so hard on the front end. And this discipline became a habit. Then it became a part of our lifestyle. And then it became a part of our identity. It's just something we do. We don't even have to think about it anymore. We just do it. And that discipline has created incredible freedom. Like there's all these options now have opened up for us because we don't owe anybody anything, right, other than paying our taxes. And that's an amazing thing that only happens from discipline. You talk to any service man or woman who has served this country well, who has defended our freedom, and they would tell you that it, that freedom isn't free. It took enormous discipline to provide the freedom that we all enjoy today. It came from discipline. It's one of the things they even teach Navy SEALs, that you want to be free in this life, you better be disciplined. If you're the undisciplined, become a slave to their choices. You will become a slave if you disobey and just cast off the rules, the laws of the land, and you just blow it off, you will lose more and more and more of your freedom until one day you're living in a little cell. You have no freedom. Or you, if you have no discipline financially, you will become less and less a person of freedom until you are only working to serve the debt service of all the things that you have purchased for the rest of your life. And you're not free. And, and there's ways to get out of that, but discipline always produces freedom. It's just that powerful. And here's the last one. Discipline is doing what you ought to do now, so you get to do what you want to do later. It's the only way to get there. There's no shortcuts here. And as I said, it starts off a discipline. It is difficult, but over time, it becomes a habit. It becomes a lifestyle. It becomes your identity. It's a part of who you are. And this is why we're talking about this today. Jesus talked about these are disciplines. These are private things that if you put them into, into action into your life, they will produce incredible results, incredible blessings for you long term. And in this most famous sermon of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to talk about today, we're going to look at two spiritual disciplines that he talks about that can be absolute game changers for you. I know they have been for me spiritually. They have absolutely changed Leslie and I's relationship with God, our marriage. It has grown our, our faith and, and accelerated our growth of our faith in ways that I don't know how we would have ever gotten to without these things. So without further ado, let's dive into the first discipline. Found in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 2. Let's read the highlighted words together. He says, when you, say it together, when you, when you give to someone in need, don't do it as the 
the hypocrites do. The hypocrites, this word hypocrites, I know you know what a hypocrite is, but it comes from a root word, a Greek word, hypocrites, which means under a mask, like a stage actor. Ba-boom! You know, they're putting on a show. What does an actor do? They behave like, act like someone that they're really not. And he's saying, there's a lot of stage actors out there when it comes to giving. There's a lot of people who are pretending to be bigger and more generous than they really are. He says, be careful, because these people, and here's how you'll know. They're blowing trumpets in the synagogue and streets, calling attention to their acts of charity, tooting their own horn. Look at me, how much I'm giving, all right. And I'm so good. I almost got a tear in my own eye because I'm so generous, I'm amazing. Jesus is saying, watch out for that kind of giving because there's a tendency to want to do it so that other people know how generous you are so they will think better of you. He says, be careful, don't be like those hypocrites. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get, right? Account, in other words, another way to define this, account between them and God is settled. They're square. That's all they're ever going to They're going to get the applause from, oh, you're so generous. Woo! You got it. That's all you get. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that. All right? And then he goes on to say this. He says, but when you give, he's talking to his followers. He's talking to those of you who call yourself a child of God, a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian. He's saying, but you, I want you to do it differently. You're not doing it for them. But when you give to someone in need, Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, everybody who heard this would know this colloquial saying. It was the idea of do it in secret, right? If there was a way, if it was possible to let your left hand not know what your right hand, obviously it's not possible, but it's like so secretive. Your neighbor doesn't know. Your brother and sister don't know. Your mama doesn't know. You're not not announcing it to anybody. He says, give your gifts in, let's say it together, give your gifts in That's what kind of discipline we're talking about. It's a private discipline. And your father, who sees everything, I think that's a wonderful thing to to pause on for just a second. Jesus said, he sees everything. There's nothing that God doesn't see. Your father in heaven, what will he do? He will will reward you. He will reward you. And Jesus here is basically showing us, here's a a common... um, activity that happened in his day that we aren't privy to necessarily. I want to explain it to you. So within the walls of Jerusalem, there was another set of walls that went around the temple. It was a temple wall that had a gate. There was a temple gate that you had to come into if you were going to come worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And right outside that gate is where all the poor people would line up. You see, in Jesus' day, there was no welfare system there was no social security system. There was nothing to take care of these people under the, uh, unless it was just the generosity of the hearts of the people of God. All of these Jewish people that would come in to worship God, uh, it was a part of the Old Testament law that they should give something. It wasn't even uh, you know, explicitly told to them exactly how much they're to give. Now, just to be clear, this was money that was given above the tithe pardon me, the 10% that they were coming to bring to God, to honor God inside the temple. Now, today, we're not under that Old Testament law of giving, you you have to give the tithe, but we honor the tithe 
We, we, many of us have chosen to do it as an act of worship to put God first, and I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit, but it is a way of a part of our worship, really. And so that's what these people would do. In addition to that tithe, as they were coming in, they would give this almsgiving to the poor people to help provide something for these people so they wouldn't literally starve to death in the streets. But some people, when they would do it, they would do it with a lot of fanfare. They were letting people, oh, here you go, people, here's money for you. You know, like they're doing it so everybody could see. They weren't trying to do it for God. They were trying to do it for them so that people would see it. And Jesus said, no, 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 that's not the right way to do it. In other words, Jesus is saying, not if you give, but when you give, when you give, if you're my follower, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be people who are private givers. People who do it as really almost like a secret. It's, it's just between you and God. You, you do it and you try to do it where you're not trying to get the attention of other people when you do it. Now, if it happens to happen and it was an accident, something, I mean, you can't control everything. But he's saying, listen, is your heart to want to do it for God or is it really want to be seen by people? You have to to, you have to really look at that in your life. And here's what he says. He says, listen, this is something that I want to teach you to know that is always important to do. That giving isn't primarily about your, it isn't, it isn't primarily about meeting needs, really. I mean, it does meet needs. Jesus was clear about that. Yes, it meets needs, but it isn't primarily about meeting needs. Giving is really about the condition of your heart and about the condition of my heart. And really, ultimately, I'm talking about our faith. That when we give, it flexes the faith muscle. It causes us to confront something in us that says, ooh, I don't know if I can give. I don't know if I have enough. I don't know if I can do this. This is, it's already tight enough. It's already scary enough. Man, I don't know if I can give. Ooh, 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 ooh. I don't know if I can do that. And it makes us confront something in us that we're going to have to either move forward, and, and it really makes us ask the question, who are we going to trust in that moment? It really, um, one of the most shocking and amazing things that Jesus teaches right here is that giving will be rewarded by God. That giving will be rewarded by God. In other words, the, the, and I know when you hear that, and when, you read, when we read that in the passage, you may be like quick to say, well, I don't think we ought to give to get a reward, right? And I would agree with you. Like, that doesn't seem quite right, but that only isn't quite right if it's your idea or if it's my idea, and it's not our idea. Jesus taught this. This was your heavenly Father's idea. It pleases Him to bless you. It honors Him. It, it brings joy and gladness to His heart to reward and bless His children who are generous. This is what He wants. So the real, like, big, pivotal question that we have to ask is this. What would happen to your giving if you really believed that God sees and rewards your generosity? What would happen? Like, I want you to really think about that question for a minute. What would happen to our giving? I mean, this one has haunted me a little bit. Like, if I, how far am I willing to go with that trusting of God, with that generosity? Like, what would really happen to my giving if you really believe that God sees and rewards your generosity? What would happen to that? Because God 
wants us to take a step towards him in terms of our trust, our faithfulness, our willingness to trust his faithfulness in our life. And and here's the reality, folks, for every single one of us. No one's exempt from this. The, The moment that we breathe our last breath, the last time our heart beats, and it's over, and we're done here. From that second forward for all eternity, you and I are 100% dependent upon God. We have to trust Him. Not because of some choice that we're going to make in that moment, but because we have no choices anymore. We are completely in the hands of God forever entrusted to His safe care. And, And what Jesus is simply saying is that don't wait. Don't wait, like starting from this moment all the way to that last moment of your life. Go ahead and begin to live now like you're going to be forced to live then, like you have to live then, like it'll be your great pleasure to live then. Start living now like that is a reality that is coming. It actually is a reality that is already with us, but we're blind to it much of the time, that he can be trusted that we can place faith in him, we can lean on him, even with our most prized possession, our money, our possessions. And I think one of the reasons why this is so difficult, so challenging for you and I, and Jesus talks about it in the same chapter, chapter 6, later, about verse 24, Jesus talks about the number one competitor for God in this world. And he says, the number one competitor for God in this world isn't atheism, It isn't secularism. It isn't even Satanism. It isn't any of those isms. It actually, the number one competitor for God in this world is money. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will serve God or money. You will either love the one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to one and you will despise the other. He says, everybody has to face this. See, Jesus knew something about money. That money itself isn't evil, but what it winds up doing to us sometimes is. And what is that thing? Is that money, like nothing else, causes people to start trusting in it, beginning to put faith in it instead of God. Because money does this weird thing, this seductive thing. It tends to promise something it can never deliver. It tends to promise that if you have enough of it, you can control your environment. Go with me on this for a second. Think about this. The idea is if you have enough money, you don't have to work anymore if you don't want to. You don't have to put up with some annoying boss. You don't have to answer the phone if you don't want to. You don't have to. You can drive what you want to, live where you want to, do what you want to. If you want to fish all day, golf all day, if you want to do whatever you want, shop all day, you want to do whatever you want. If you just had enough money, you could do that all the time. And all those annoying jerks in your life that you can't hardly stand, you can keep them far away from you. That's what money will allow you. And you can pull all the people you love and make you happy. You can have them around you all the time. You can like, it's almost like you're a little god. You can create your own little universe if you just have enough money. That is the seductive power of money. Jesus knew this. But the crazy thing is we have illustrations galore around us of people who have gobs of money, billions of dollars of money, millions of dollars, and they're some of the most miserable people that there are. Money can't deliver on what it promises. Jesus knew that about money. He says, so here's the thing. I want you to do, I don't care how much money you have, how little, how much, I want you to take a percentage of whatever it is you receive when you get your paycheck, and I want you to give some of that to me. I want you to put 
me first. I want you to put the first fruits, the first and best off of that. I want you to give it to me. And when you do that, it will help to train your heart to trust me and not in it. Because there is a tension. I'm telling you, I feel it. I know you do. We all feel it. There's a tension. When we start giving more, when we get more generous, it's scary, isn't it? It's scary. You can say it. It's scary. And that tension, I'm telling you, is far more spiritual than it is financial. You know why it's so scary, why there's a tension there? It's because there's a transference of trust that's trying to happen. A transference from money and things and possessions and do I have enough to can I trust God? Can I fully and completely trust what Jesus said that if we give, he will reward. He will take care of us. He will make us his personal responsibility to take care of. God does that over and over. You see, giving a percentage of your money grows your faith because it forces you to answer the question, do I really trust God? Do I really? Or is it just something I say? Is it just something that I, you know, I say at church or in my small group? Or, But do I really, where the rubber meets the road, do I really do it? Do I really trust Him? It's scary. I'm telling you, just like every discipline, it starts off difficult, but it has an insane reward down the road. Do I really trust God? Begin to set aside a percentage out of every paycheck. It's amazing. I have been doing this for decades. Leslie and I have back when we, on paper, could not afford it. I promise you, it did not make any sense, but God always provided. It's unbelievable how he supernaturally provided over and over and over and over. Still does. Amazing. Here's the second discipline. Let's shift gears now. Verse 5, here's what Jesus says about the next one. He says, when you, let's say it together, when you when you pray, don't be like the kind of deja vu, right? He, he starts exactly the same way. Don't be like the hypocrites, the stage actors who love to pray publicly. I mean, that's what actors love, an audience, right? Publicly, on the street corners, in the synagogues, where everyone can see them. Boom, look at this. I'm going to pray, and it's going to be an amazing oratory masterpiece. So gather around and listen to my prayers. Now, let me just say real quick. Jesus is not condemning public prayer right here. Jesus plays, prays publicly. Paul prays publicly. Peter prays publicly. He, all these guys pray publicly. He's not condemning public prayers. He's pu condemning public-only prayers. The only time you really pray is when other people can hear you so that you can press them. Jesus is saying, don't, don't. That's not, that doesn't count for God. Like, you know, make sure there is something more to it. There's something deeper happening, and he'll explain that in just a second. He says, I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Their account is settled with God. That's, that's it. I hope you enjoyed the applause, because that's all you get. He goes on to say this. He says, but when you pray, just like when you give, when you pray, my people, when you pray, I want you to do something different. I want you to go away by yourself. Now, let's take that little phrase, go away by yourself. Is anybody else there, yes or no? No, that's not a trick question, right? By yourself. Nobody else is there, right? He even goes a step further. Shut the door behind you. Like, you're going to go be alone. For just a minute, you're going to shut out all the noise, all the people, even the little kids that you love, just for a little, just for a second. You're going to just take a moment you're going to step back. Now, there were no electronic devices in Jesus' day, but I bet he would say, and even those need to go outside the door, okay? Everything needs to be out there for just a minute. It's just quiet. 
like really quiet before God, you and Him. And I don't know if you realize this, but this is the way God made you and I. He created you. Your soul craves that kind of silence, quiet, powerful, just presence of God kind of moment where you're just alone with God. And this might be the most foreign thing to you. You almost never do this. I want to challenge you today to begin to make this a part of your regular routine, a regular part of your day. And he says, behind this closed door, and you pray to your Father in private. It's a private discipline. He's telling us exactly what kind of discipline this is. He says, then your Father, again, who sees everything, will, what do we do? He will reward you. He's going to reward you. We'll talk about that in just a second. And essentially what Jesus is saying here is he's going, okay, listen, I know your time is precious. Like, it is probably the most valuable asset you have. The most non-renewable asset you have is your time. You can always make more money, but you do not get more time. When it's spent, it's spent. Right now, while you're sitting here, the hourglass of your life, the sand is dripping through it, right? I'm going to make you a little nervous. Like it's, it's, it's slowly eroding down. Me too. We're getting closer and closer to whatever that last day that we have on this earth is right now. He's saying, it's precious, it's, it's so valuable, but I want you to take just a little piece of that every day, and I want you to give it to God in prayer. I want you to take some of that. But Jesus, you don't know how busy I am. We got kids that got to be at extracurriculars, and I got a job that's demanding, and I got this and that, and so many commitments. And you know, you know what? Let's just be real honest. Busy usually has a whole lot to do with us and our family and our career and our money and what we're making. And all of that's good and it's important. It's a part of life. But compared to time alone with the God of the universe, your heavenly father, it pales in comparison to what that time alone with God can do for your life. Jesus is just saying, this is something you crave, you long for, you need, and you've got to make it a priority. You have to make it a discipline or it won't happen. You will get to the end of every single day and go, oh, shoot, I didn't do it again today. I didn't have time. I was just too busy. And there will always be an excuse. But here's the reality. God forbid this would happen to anybody in this room, but if one hour from now you are on death's door, or one of the people that you love most in this world is lying on their deathbed about to perish, no one would have to tell you to pray, would they? You would be begging God for his help. I would too, because it's a, it's a situation that just makes us painfully uh, like aware that we're not in control. It makes us painfully aware of the reality that is always with us, but we forget it most of the time. And Jesus is just saying, don't wait don't wait till a moment like that. Don't wait till you, you have to do it or you feel like you're forced to do it. Choose to do it now because it's just as true in this moment when you feel like everything's good. It's all good. He's saying, set aside some of that time every single day. It's so powerful what it can do to change your life forever. And what's amazing is that just like with giving, prayer comes with a reward. And if you talk to people who have made this kind of prayer a regular part of their routine, routine every single day, they'll tell you the reward isn't, I get everything I pray for all the time. It's amazing. If that was the case, we'd all be like, okay, I'm praying like um, the rest of the day, okay? It's not, it's actually way better than that. 
They would tell you that, listen, the real reward is that I have this deep, abiding, like, understanding that God is with me. His power, his presence, his provision is always with me. And I have a a peace and a security, a faith and a trust in him that I did not have before this time alone with him. It just cultivates it like the roots just go deeper. Every time I'm with him, it's just, it feeds this, this deep-rooted faith, and I just can't, I don't even know how to get through a day without it now because the, the discipline became a habit. It became a lifestyle. Now it's a part of my identity. I'm just a praying man. I'm a praying woman. It's just what I do, not because I think I'm holier than now. It's because I don't know how to live without it anymore. It's just so vital to my existence. I need God every day. I'm, I'm so sick. I live just long enough without him to realize I don't want to live like that anymore. And that might be you today. And it's time to make a massive shift in your life. You see, prayer strengthens dependency upon God, dependence upon God. It's in those moments when we're in the crisis moments where you don't have to have anybody tell you to pray. You will just absolutely pray. pray. That we're reminded that we are completely dependent upon him. It's so important that we ought to prioritize it every single day. So here's what I want to challenge you to do today. Just like with any, any discipline, you have to pre-decide. Disciplines require a pre-decision, which means that <clears throat> if you're going to start to be generous, you've got to sit down with your budget and say, okay, before the paycheck gets here, we've got to decide where it's going to go. We're going to tell the money where it goes, not find out at the end of the month where it went, okay? That's how most of us live. Be honest with you, that's how I lived for a lot of years. And, but to decide beforehand, I've got a plan for where I want that money to go. So the first and best, a percentage off the top. And for some of you that have never really consistently give, I would say the first step for you is just start consistently giving something. Just something. Just start. Just start with whatever. Whatever amount. And then for others of you say, you know what, we're already doing that. Maybe you need to start with 1% or 2%. So it's one, you know, literally it's just, it's just starting with uh, 1% of your income or 2% of your income. And it's just saying, okay, we're going to start there. And we're just going to begin with that and see where it goes, right? And so, uh, or maybe it's, it's, it's starting with 2 or maybe it's 5% or 7% or maybe 10%. It's just a dime off of every dollar. And you just decide, listen, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to start making that my commitment every day or every paycheck so that I, I, I remind myself, strengthen my faith. that I trust in God and my faith is in Him, right? And maybe when it comes to the prayer, it's sitting down with your schedule and you mark off just like a business appointment, which you don't blow off. You don't cancel business appointments at the last second. If you do, you won't stay in business long, right? You do that. You, you protect it. You guard it. You honor it. You respect it. So that's what you do with your time with God. You just say, this is when I'm going to do it. And I encourage you to do it either early in the morning, I think that works best for most people, or in the evening before bed. Somewhere on those bookends of the day, usually in the middle of the day, it's just too chaotic for most people to be able to have something consistent. But maybe it is for you. But just figure out a time and start getting consistent. Time alone. It's going to be tough, like any discipline, tough on the front end, great rewards on the back end. You start to get consistent, and it'll be amazing how you'll begin to see God reward in ways you never expected. 
the, the most unexpected ways that are just amazing. So I encourage you, and I've seen this in my own life, how God has radically used this and Leslie and I, and, uh, and many of our friends. And so here's the prayer of application I'm asking you to pray with me today. Simply saying, Lord, I commit to give you the first minutes of my day and the first dollars of my pay. I place faith in you for your forgiveness and leadership today. And maybe this is beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ for the very first time. But taking that step of saying, I'm going to trust you, Jesus I'm going to trust you, Lord God in heaven, with my, the first dollars of my pay and the first minutes of my day. It's so critical. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.